Okay, so as I mentioned, I abandoned my former sermon. I was way too exhausted last night to write a sermon. Sat staring at for an hour at my computer trying to make words come out. The hockey game was even on, the Flames game. I was only even barely paying attention to that. The Flames lost, so I had reasons to rejoice, and I was still just too too tired. But instead of a... I know that you guys are tired as well, so instead of a 40-minute marathon Chris Lance sermon, I thought we'd do something a little more informal. Um, having Rico and Mandy here is always a blessing and a joy. And anytime I can get Rico here at the pulpit, I, I take that opportunity because I love hearing Rico speak. Um, I've always loved hearing Rico speak. I think we took homiletics, which is preaching class, together, right? Both one and two. So I... He's seen me from my infant stage, and I've seen him from his infant stage, and it's always a joy to hear him. But I thought Rico and Mandy could tag team this little question and answer interview. And because I'm a dork and a pastor and a, a pastoral dork, I'm going to do a dorky pastoral thing where I connect everything to the book of Philippians, which we've been studying, because that's what uh, nerdy preachers do. So, so the, the first thing that Paul writes in Philippians, I think, is really appropriate for you guys. And he writes, I thank my God every time I remember you. In all my prayers for all of you, I always pray with joy because of your partnership in the gospel from this first day until now. Being confident of this, that he who began a good work in you, and I'll indicate you too, he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. And a lot of that, I think, pertains to our feelings towards you guys. Uh, prayers of joy. We, we rejoice when we think of you guys. Um, the word partnership, it's our privilege to partner with you in the work you're doing in Haiti. Um, but then there's that piece about um, a good work starting and being confident in that good work. And so I was kind of hoping, we got some updates yesterday in the, at the fundraiser, and I'm sure the Buchholzes and the Carpets, when you spend time with them, they got a few more updates. But um, we want to hear more about the progress and the good work and, and that kind of thing. So... The first question I have for you guys, what have you seen in the good work of Heart for Home in the past year that you would call progress, whether that's from a planning perspective or a spiritual perspective or a fruit-bearing, well, literally a fruit-bearing perspective, the lemons that we saw yesterday, but um, there's lots of ways you can define the, the term progress. What have you seen as far as progress for Heart for Home? Well, thank you, Chris, and thank you, Clyde, for uh, allowing us to come and share with you. Um, part of what God is doing in our lives and through us as well and through the work that God had allowed us to start in Haiti. <clears throat> Over the last uh, 12 months, we've seen uh, um, different facets of progress. Um, of course, one of them would be just assembly tree growing up, as we showed yesterday, uh, things that you put in the ground and there's nothing you really could do about it and God makes it grow. That's pretty much a huge thing. I mean, that's a God thing. But the other part that really uh, thrills me and, and makes me happy in many, many different ways is to see how Heart for Home had come together connected with a different organization called Lifeline. And uh, at first, we were quite nervous about the, uh, the idea. Um, what does that mean? We're going to lose our identity. The dream that God had given us, how will that continue further on? Um, will all of a sudden we be swallowed by something way bigger 
greater 40 years of whatever it is and and so on. I mean, there were millions of questions as perhaps you may have thought of yourself. How will this remain unique? Um, and as we sat down with the Lifeline team, uh, one of the things they reassured us is just like, you know what? We are not so... Um, our goal is really not to just keep populating Haiti with Lifeline idea. Our goal is to be more efficient, more effective in how ministry is done globally. Therefore, we want you to remain as unique as you are. The only thing is we want to be a wing of support, of connection. That's our goal. And uh, when we heard that, it was just, it was a thrill of just eye, eye opener. And they said, we just want to open the door so that you guys could be more effective in what you do. That's what we want. We want you to have a bigger platform of exposure, meaning uh, um, the 200, I mean, the 40 years of experience we've had, 40 years of, of uh, church supports we have across the U.S. and Canada, that you yourselves will be on the platform, come and visit these places and share about what it is that's going on in your neck of the wood. And we thought like, wow, wow. What a, what a huge, huge blessing. And, um, and one of the things they reassured us is just like, uh, they said, as we travel across Canada to share about the work that is being done right now, according to Lifeline Canada, Haiti or Port Salut, where you guys are heart for home is what we, our focus is. Therefore, any church that we visit, any support that comes in, unless, um, 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 how do you call that? As, uh, assigned, like uh, when somebody give a check, they assigned it to a different place, unless designate, there's the word, unless designated otherwise, everything is going into Port Salut area. So that's basically the focus is to make sure that the ministry grows. So we thought like, wow, this is, this is huge. Um, um, goes from the two of us uh, going from place to place and from fundraiser to leading in the ground and writing letters, newsletters, all this now funnel into a big organization that said like, Hey, we want to be a mouthpiece to make all this happen. But I think the, that that's from a supporting point of view. But I think when it comes to the uh, deep spiritual aspect that really thrilled me is now when I started hearing from our leaders on the ground in Port Salut. And uh, um, Lifeline does leadership training twice a year where they bring some of their teams into the country in Port-au-Prince and they gather all their pastors across and to come for leadership training. So they, they did that um, uh, October of last year, 2018, where this for the first time we were invited, uh, um, our guys in Haiti, to come to that leadership training. And so when my, when our leaders called me to give me an update of how it went, they said, uh, Rico, you won't believe how fantastic it felt that we didn't feel alone anymore, just like us starting something new by ourselves. But we were surrounded by like hundreds of pastors across the country who were there for the same purpose, who focus on the same thing. And now we felt like belong. We felt like a way bigger team, a bigger impact um, in the same country. So right away, we had friends who were in Capation, to Jack Mel, to different parts of the country who were all in this same one unique mission. And and they said like, now we're already organizing missions, youth mission trip in different part of the country to go visit the work that other guys are doing so we realize like our influences are way bigger than just one community because of our connection through lifeline so that brought a lot of joy and thrill to my heart knowing like okay yeah we're away in canada how do we continue to um, educate and help the leaders but yet uh, a connection through lifeline would come and still provide this kind of training and a big 
bigger and bigger scope. So that brought so much joy. And to me, I felt like that was a huge, deep spiritual uh, progress, uh, physical progress, and uh, in any way, shape, or form as possible. And the very last thing I'll say is... Um, one of the the churches that got planted um, about three years ago, we rented a little shack for them to worship in. Uh, we've been able to raise some money to purchase like one acre piece of property. And we were able to purchase the property this past February. And now they have their own site where their own land and, uh, and they will start their own construction as time goes. Now they're no longer in a rented facility anymore. Now they're basically home. So all three churches basically have their own piece of property in the country of Haiti. So that's a huge praise report. And Mandy, you have, I mean, obviously you guys share the same vision, um, but I'm sure you have a different perspective than Rico does, and, and I uh, <laughs> love that. And uh, so what to you have you seen uh, as far as progress in the work? In the last okay, um, I don't know if you guys have heard about Edner. Um, he's one of our pastors now. So the way it started, when we were first in Port Sully, we didn't know anybody when we showed up. Um, so on Friday night, we decided, okay, we want to start a church, so let's just open our gate. And we had a bunch of chairs from his parents' mission. So we set them up and we would, um, we would do a movie night. Just any old movie and we would play worship music and people would come. It would be full. And it was there that we started to see Patrick and Edner kind of help us out and, and be involved. Um, and then we started a Bible study, which was, well, Rico started it. It was one table in our backyard under a coconut tree with three people, um, a teacher in the community and Edner and Patrick. So they were so interested and Edner was really, like all of them, especially Edner, were asking lots of questions and finally hearing the gospel a different way. And just like, wow, this is more simple than all this legalism and whatever else. And he was pretty young, and he would come around often and, and just get to know him over the years. It was really nice. And um, so when he tried to come to, I think he tried to come to ABC at one point, and it was weird because they couldn't find his record of birth or something. So it was just like it seemed like such it could be such a crushing thing to some people that he couldn't come. But to him he said, okay, I'm just going to go off and um, – go to Port-au-Prince and because I want to be a pastor. So he went and did his studies and became a pastor. And now he's leading one of the churches under Heart for Home. And it's amazing that, that we're not in Haiti right now, but we have so much communication through him because the other pastors were not communicating like we wanted to. But Edner is doing like above and beyond and he's calling, the phone is ringing <laughs> nonstop, nonstop ringing. They talk for hours at a time. That part gets exhausting, but at least we know what's going on. And it's just amazing to see him coming from just this young guy into this, he just, he wants to lead and he wants to be a part of this. And and he was one of the ones that went on to this training and just to see even he's seeing us like starting with nothing and as it's growing and he's been a part of it since day one, basically. And that, that part's been in really nice. So, yeah. Um, also, I don't know if you guys know Patrick, their family had another baby. Hey. Yeah. We love Patrick. That's exciting. Yeah. <laughs> um, Patrick's a good man. So thank you for that. Um, so that's talking about things you've seen in, as far as progress in the last, the last little bit, but Paul sort of talks about moving forward into the future and completion and it's entirely likely you'll never see any kind of 
completion in this project just because it branches out continually and expands and involves a lot of people. But when you think of what's coming, where do you see progress being made in the, the coming days and months and years? Um, our excitement right now is the fact that we're planning every, everything that we do now, I think, is our conversation of packing our suitcases ready to go back down to Haiti. So that's basically our big thrill right now. Uh, when we left Haiti in 2015, 2016, um, we felt like, okay, we have to leave the country to go for extended furlough um, here in Canada. And, uh, and we've been here since then. I've been working in the corporate world and learning different way you guys live. You know, I've always knew the way we missionaries or pastors, people who live, but now I get to go and put in the hours and uh, um, do what you guys do all the time. And now I, I've walked in your shoes. So no more excuses. Okay. I know. <laughs> so, uh, so it, it's, it's, it's been my life for the last uh, year and a half. And now all our conversation is geared toward returning down to Haiti. And now there's a lot of reasons. The excitement is especially in my heart to return down to Haiti. Yes, things can continue without us. Uh, things, I mean, we left one church. Now there's three churches. Um, I haven't even seen the other two, to tell you the truth, because um, I've been away for the last couple of years. Things, God is doing this work, not us. Um, but we want to be participants in God's um, work as well. We feel like our job is not done. Therefore, um, I will be traveling down to Haiti this coming May, uh, May 10th. Um, I'll be going down for uh, over a weekend with a team coming from Vernon. And we're going to be um, starting the construction of a long-term missionary housing, meaning missionaries who's their long-term, like our, our family will have a place to stay. And whenever we leave the country and leave, another missionary comes, a missionary will always have a place to stay. So that that's basically the project that we're going to be working on. But the thrill of planning to return back to Haiti in 20 by the fall of 2020 next year is so that we could focus now mostly on getting the program um, up and running meaning reaching out to the young people and really start training. Um, for the, la the last uh, decade, our focus was more like on the infrastructure, getting this place ready. And, and I mean, it took a lot. That's where a lot of the money really has to kick in to just really get things running. And, uh, and, and it's, it's, it's hard work. It's really, really difficult work. But the vision was never really the, the infrastructure, although the infrastructure, the infrastructure is a crucial part of it. But the, the vision is always the people. Um, how to get the people from point A to point B. And so with the partnership and connection with Lifeline, now our focus is more the program, the people, more so than the infrastructure. The infrastructure part will still be involved, but we'll mostly pass that on to Lifeline. Lifeline, help us make this happen. So the moment we get back, we we see in the next year or two is, is start reaching out to the young orphan people, bring to our community, ourselves start from scratch. This is the way we start with, with the facility is now to start in the training. Training, hiring um, agriculture teachers start teaching them in the agriculture role. Um, getting Mandy and myself, start training in English. Can you imagine I'm going to be an English teacher? <laughs> Good luck for these young people. Um, so um, um, get some computers and start training in computer literature. Um, get them behind the wheel. I'll teach them to drive like a Haitian does. 
period. I mean, it's going to be good things. And uh, <laughs> so it's just like all these things, these are the thrills for us because like this, I feel will be the peanuts part of, uh, uh, the, 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 the ice cream part of the, uh, the, the project is just like now start reaching to the people and be face to face with the people because the major pressure of the multi-million dollar infrastructure literally has been lifted off my back. And now we could just focusing on the people face to face and work with them. That's what we're beyond, beyond excited about. And as well, get back into the church and start teaching. Um, so just for the podcast sake, Sharon's question was um, what basically explain what the initial vision was. And there may be some people here who do not know it. And um, so Sharon just asked to clarify what exactly is that initial vision? I grew up in an orphanage in Port-au-Prince um, with American family who came down to Haiti and opened a boys' home, and of which I was one of the orphan kids who grew up there. Uh, by growing up in the orphanage, I learned firsthand how a lot of the orphanage system is broken. Um, I had my my mom, my mother had passed away when I was four years old, but my dad was still alive. He had so many kids, he couldn't take care of them. Therefore, he was trying to find help of how to raise me. So the only opening was for him to give me away to a family so that the family could raise me because he could not afford to raise me. Reverse the story, had he been able to afford to raise me, he would have taken the responsibility to raise me. Since he couldn't afford it, now the problem in the middle was not the will to raise me, was the um, um, ability or uh, um, be able to afford to raise me. So that had always stuck in my mind. What if we would look at orphanage differently, orphanage for orphans who have nobody, and focus is just like help the family to afford to raise their own kids would be the, the crux of the, the work. So um, as I grew up in the boys' home, it was fantastic. I had great family from the U.S. They loved me. They taught me English and all this crazy stuff. It was fantastic. But now what happened is just like as they raise money to raise me, um, when I became an older teenager, now the sponsors moved out. Uh, they felt like, well, we have raised this Haitian guy. We've been supporting him for many years. Now he graduated from high school. So we've done our work. So the sponsors move on because now no sponsors stick with a 20 year old. Uh, now my uh, foreign family who the way they could afford to raise me was to raise funds. Now the sponsors are gone. Now what do they do with all of a sudden a whole bunch of young adults? Now the only choice was just like, well, we've done our part, guys. It's time to go. And it was a very tragic, scary, phenomenal moment in our lives. But praise be to God, he opened doors for myself and a lot of my other brothers to leave Haiti through scholarships to come to North America, went to school as I went to Alberta Bible College and studied and was able to give me a transitional pro, um, ability from being an orphan into an independent young adult. But the vast reality is the opposite for many of the orphans in Haiti. When they leave the orphanage at the age of 18 to 20, when they have to leave, they have nowhere to go. They don't, they, they don't get the opportunity that I had. Therefore, a lot of them go out and try to figure out and with an unemployment, 60, 67% in Haiti, um, and, and, and they can't find a job. So guess what? They end up having kids and realize like life is tough. They can't raise their kids. Most often time they take their own kids back to the same orphanage where they grew up, where the orphanage now take their kids, look for a young sponsor and the cycle just continues.
So that's where the vision came to our, to us, feeling like, well, Rico, if you grew up that way, what can we do to create a transitional program in the country where most of these young people will never have the chance to leave the country? Why don't we bring what I had here in Canada back to Haiti to them? And that's where uh, the vision came in, like, what can we give these young people to help them grow? So our initial vision is just like, okay, we want to help them as young entrepreneurs to develop small scale of businesses where they themselves can become independent so that when they, they have their own kids, they can afford to raise their own family. And that's what really makes our heart beat. And so um, with the support of you guys at Clyde and many other churches across Canada, we were able to go back to Haiti in 2008 um, and raise money to purchase a 12 and a half acres piece of property where we're developing it uh, as the uh, trade school for these young people where uh, we also planted the church, where the church will be the catalyst of mentorship for these young people as they come from all across the country so that they will be mentored by the church people to learn how to live as a family in a Christ-centered community and learn many of the different skills that I had shared earlier, which is English, ESL, English as second language, uh, learn about agriculture, which is um, aquaponics and animal husbandry all tied in together, learn computer literature, learn um, driver's aid, to be safe, learn theology. And, and by learning these things, we feel like it can create a base for these young people to be independent. So, Yeah, it's a great vision and one that we certainly share with you. We think that's incredibly valuable. Um, thank you for that clarification, Sharon. Mandy, um, I'm going to ask you to go back a little bit to the question of what, what are you excited for? What progress do you see coming in the future? Being in Haiti is a little different for you just even health-wise and with the kids. And so going back, what's exciting to you? Where do you see progress coming? It It is exciting. Um, I want to go back. I'm excited. I want that for my kids. But I think I'm kind of getting crippled with fear a little bit. And and I know I'm called there, and, and God often calls us to a place that is hard. Um. So that's something I can use prayer with because, um, it, it's, it was one thing to leave when we, it was just the two of us and we had nothing. And now we've taken such a big break that it's, it's hard to think about bringing our kids to a place like this, especially after like what's been happening the last couple of months. Um, I know, I know that's what we want, but it's just sometimes fear can, can hold you back. Um, so first I started getting uh, like afraid of like kidnapping and things like that and, and thieves and whatever. And, and then last night I was talking to Petra and then I got myself more scared about, okay, now there's sicknesses. It's not anything she said. It's just, it came to myself. Now, if they get typhoid and malaria and just like, just becoming overcome with fear for my kids. And it's so, it's strange because just because I live here doesn't mean they're safe live in Calgary, live anywhere in Canada, but you have the illusion that you're safe. You're probably safer in Haiti, but you feel you don't have the illusion of being safe. You probably, it's probably more risky here. I don't know, but you feel safer. So yeah, that part I'm really dealing with and I could really use a lot of support with that. Um, just to, to get up and go. And I'm bringing four kids, one with special needs. And I think, is he going to run away? And I can't find him. Like I'm just <laughs> the list of of things that I that are going I'm going through in my mind. Um, 
and and like I said, don't get that. Don't get me wrong. I am looking forward to going there. And a lot of times when we're in Haiti, people on this side are more afraid for us than when we're there. We feel safe when we're there. It's just kind of being on this side and, and breaking breaking that barrier and getting onto the other side of of going there, which is we just need help, support breaking that barrier and taking these steps to move forward. And it is hard to leave family and what whatever else, but I really feel like it's it's what's best for us and what we're called to and it, what's best for our kids. Um, so I guess that's as positive as I can get at this point. And, and having a home on site will help with some of that, right? That would be really good. Um, yeah, like having a home for us that has clean water, that was my biggest thing. It needs to be, I can't have my kids getting sick just from accidentally getting water in their mouth and, um, having kind of a little oasis with a fenced yard. Um, yeah, being close, not too far out, um, out of town. Cause we had a piece of land that we bought. We thought about living there, but we decided we want to be in the, the community around the, the community of people. Cause they, they look out for each other and, um, it, it'll be really good. I'm looking forward to seeing the house be built and, and we're moving into something. It's good. Well, thank you for your, your vulnerability, Mandy, and appreciate that. And that actually transitions into the next. I did give them advanced warning what the questions would be. I'm not just springing them on them. But the next question is progress is one thing. Progress teaches and, and leads us to praise. Struggle is another thing. Struggle can do the same thing, teach and lead to praise. This is Paul in one twelve to 14. I want you to know, brothers and sisters, that what has happened to me has actually served to advance the gospel. Because of my chains, most of the brothers and sisters have become confident in the Lord and dare all the more to proclaim the gospel without fear. As far as I know, you've never been imprisoned in Haiti or Canada or anywhere else, uh, like Paul was. You haven't been in chains that way, but there's all kinds of forms of chains. And Mandy, you mentioned the uncertainty of being back there with your kids is is like a, a type of chain. Um, but I was hoping you could could speak a little bit to those struggles. What has God taught you? How has God grown you in the midst of some of the struggles associated with the tough work of breaking ground and mission in Haiti? To me, I, I look at it, uh, and as Mandy said, it's a lot of things that we are afraid of. Um, the word fear, as somebody once mentioned, is false expectation appearing real. Um, so it's just, it's, it's the false sense of illusion that you have. Uh, maybe you're less unsafe in a bigger city than you're in a small town, but illusion can completely flip it around. It all depends on perception. Um, it's, it's quite interesting. So, uh, I, I always look at it as, um, whatever happens, I'm within God's will. <laughs> But I'm reckless. <laughs> I'm Rico. <laughs> so, and oftentimes I don't go, uh, my, my, my weakness and failure is just I don't go past thinking about it's okay. It's okay. But, um, mother hen always think about the little babies. Um, I, and I keep thinking like the baby's going to be okay. They, they're going to be okay. Um, so, and, and, and to, to the perception of just like being in chain, all this stuff, the only thing I would say for me was that, I always look at how God has, where God has brought us from and to see where he'll bring us to. Um, and every time I get to one obstacle, I keep thinking of what has he done thus far? One of the frustration I had every time we we're traveling to or from Haiti, 
I always had the privilege, and I called it a privilege, of being called into a special chamber at the airports, custom, to question me a million times. And sometimes I felt like that was me being in chain like Paul. Um, so it's just like they called me inside this little room, and sometime with my wife and kids standing beside me, and they're looking at just like, uh, whose kid is this? Duh. I mean, I'm boring this kid or something. Can't you tell? Passport's in your hand. You see all the names and you have the nerve to ask me whose child is this? What am I going to say? <laughs> so it's just like, oh, that's my kid. Uh, we're not talking to you, sir. We're talking to her. I'm thinking like, man, how rude are you? You're just like, get this, always these weird questions that we don't trust you. Where are you going? How long are you going to be here? And all this stuff. Hey, we've been married for eight years. We've been married for this many times. So it was always a crazy frustration. So when we were leaving Haiti, um, we had many goals, plans. And one of my plans was just like, okay, you know, I'm fed up with traveling on this Haitian visitor's visa back and forth. So on our way back, I will take the time to flip this over. And within a year, we're able, I was able to get my PR, my permanent residence. So now that's done. So at least that's another big um, phase. And with that, because of the time that I had spent traveling into Canada, by next spring, I should get my Canadian citizenship, which is going to be the next big thing. So I'm hoping, I'm hoping now I'll hold them accountable now. Once I flip a Canadian passport into their faces, hopefully they won't ask me whose kid is this anymore. I'm going to be really upset. If they do that, I'm going to go for a German passport from here on out, okay? (laughs) Thanks, Rico. (laughs) That is a very specific and unique struggle. (laughs) Are these your children? Um, But just the perception of being between two countries... Uh, can be tricky, I imagine. Um, Mandy, same question for you. What what has God taught you, and how have you grown in the struggles? Yeah, um, I'm 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 still I'm still learning, and it's it goes back to the fear thing that God is in control, <laughs> and that's the best place to be. Um, and we just really have to let go, and and um, but He's really teaching me to not to do it on my own, not to just keep it, keep it internal, asking for help and for prayer and support, um, is the big, that's the only way you can't be alone. That's, that's where, that's where the wolf will get the deer when, or whoever, whatever they're eating, they'll get them when they're separated from the herd. So once you're alone, that's when you get attacked more. So as we, we connect together and and God's really teaching me that to connect with people about, about things like fear and, and, and that's the only way to really have um, bigger trust in God and, and just the community aspect. Here at Clyde Christian Bible Church, we don't say wolves and deer, we say musk oxen. We did a whole, we did a, we did a whole sermon on the stupid musk ox, so, um, yes. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, here in Clyde, that's what we really talk about is coyotes and, and calves for sure. Um, thank you for those responses. We have one more question. I just want to set it up real quick here. Um, Paul talks, he writes, so he spends the first most of chapter one giving updates on himself, but then he starts to teach the Philippians and he says, through my being with you again, your boasting in Christ Jesus will abound on account of me. Whatever happens, conduct yourselves in a manner worthy of the gospel of Christ. And you guys have heard that over and over. Then whether I come and see you or only hear about you in my absence, I will know that you stand firm in one spirit, striving together as one for the faith in the gospel. And I just think that that is so applicable to us this morning. When you guys come up for the fundraiser weekend, we delight in boasting about you. And, of course, boasting is not, look at all the things we're doing, I'm doing, Rico and Mandy are doing. The the boasting is rooted in all the things that God is doing. And we love bragging about you in that way. We love partnering with you, being a part of the work that you're doing. Um, 
we know that God initiated all this, that his hands are in all of it, that he wants, he wants to help and save our Haitian neighbors even more than you do or anyone does. But it's verse 27 I want to talk about a little more, and the question will come from this. It says, Whether I come and see you or only hear about you in my absence, I will know that you stand firm in the one spirit, striving together as one for the, for the faith of the gospel. And that works both ways, from our perspective to you and your perspective to us. Whether you come and see us, or whether we come and visit the project in Haiti, or whether we are apart and only getting updates online, we can still celebrate the unity and the partnership that we share in Christ. And it's a beautiful thing. And so my question is this for these people. What encouragement do you get from coming up to our little corner of the kingdom? And and that's not a one-sided, we'll also send some encouragement your way, but what is encouraging about coming to Clyde? If anything. One of the big thing is unity. (laughs) (laughs) Unity is a big thing (laughs) in my book. Um, You know, I, I recalled back in 2010, 2011, we had a, a couple doctors from Oak Park who came and visit us down in Haiti. And, uh, we were going from one town to a different one. Of course, we didn't have the weather forecast, uh, down there. Uh, it's luxury for up here, but you just hope things will work out. We woke up. It was perfect sunshine. Everything was nice. We didn't know anything was happening. Except for halfway in our trip, all of a sudden, the cloud just covered. Uh, I mean, the sky just covered up. And a torrential rain just poured. I mean, I've never seen it pour so fast and so quick. We started having flooding from the front and to the back. We're, we're driving like a tiny little van, um, a rear-wheel drive van. And, of course, we found ourselves stuck in the middle of flooding up front and flooding in back. So we're stuck in the middle. And big trucks are stuck in the water. And we couldn't move. So from 10 in the morning till like uh, 3, 4 p.m. in the afternoon, it was Mandy and myself and two doctors from Calgary were stuck. And then I remember the doctor said, <laughs> I, remember, I remember the doctor said, you know what? We have to find a way to let Calgary know that we're okay. And it hit me. I was just like, I don't think Calgary know that we were not okay. <laughs> so, but in her mind, she's thinking like, this is so difficult. We're in trouble and they have to know that things are okay. And then it, it occurred to me how often it is that we on the field will find ourselves in a situation, assuming everybody's in it too, but nobody's in it but us. We'll be sick. We'll be whatever you name it. And that's where the community comes extremely important. As a missionary, one of the things that you do, you always writing newsletter to remain relevant to your friends, your sponsors, the churches, and newsletters going back and forth, right? But oftentimes newsletters go one way. Everybody hear about the updates, what it is that you're doing in the country, but you don't get a newsletter back to you in Haiti. So you don't really get to hear what's happening on the other side, except for the other side, here's what's happening from your end. So when we come face to face to Clyde, we get to hear things. We get to hear of like, oh, so-and-so mother actually lost their child. We get to hear, oh, you know, we have a good friend here named Leo who actually this happened two weeks ago. We get to hear these things. And to me, I feel this is the purpose of community. It really encourages us because it lets us know like we're no hero who's in trouble all the time. You guys are in the same boat as we are. 
just on a different part of the world. And coming to Clyde encourages us to know like we are all human. We all need each other. You need me just as much as I need you. And we need to keep constantly praying for one another. Amen, Josiah? Amen. I I wasn't sure which Rico to listen to there. But thank yeah, um I imagine it would be frustrating to constantly say, here's what's going on with me. Here's here's us, here's us, and not hearing what's going on with your friends. So thank you for that that uh, response, Mandy. Um, same for you. What's, what's encouraging about coming to Clyde? Yeah, and I'll say one thing about that is I was not there for that flood. So there's been lots of times when Rico's been in a, a, a bad situation, not a bad, but a not, not ideal situation, and I was not there. So I think God's looking out for me <laughs> specifically. So... Um, actually being here, every time I come here, I talk to Marnie and she probably thinks I'm grieving all the time, but I'm always thinking, oh, you guys, it's so great. It's a small town. There's, there, I love the sidewalks and like, um, it's not just this, like there's fields and there's not these tiny little backyards like we have in Calgary. And sometimes I feel a little chained <laughs> to Calgary. We have a lot of family there and all their cousins are there. Um, different opportunities for, for him for school. Um, so coming here again and watching my kids running around the field, looking at the cows and, um, it just, it, it really makes me excited to go to Haiti and to be on the, the property and they have that huge field to run and, and it is a smaller community where people are looking out for each other and yeah, just being here really encourages me and, and actually gets me really excited for, for what's coming next. So great. Um, well, Partnering with you in Heart for Home means we get to do this fundraiser every year. And it it's encouraging to me. Because, I'm just going to read for the last time. This is Philippians 2, 1 to 4. If you have any encouragement from being united with Christ, any comfort from his love, any fellowship with the Spirit, if any tenderness and compassion, then make my joy complete by being like-minded, having the same love, being one in spirit and purpose. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit, but in humility consider others better than yourselves. Each of you should look out not only to your own interests, but also to the interests of others. And just as Tom mentioned in communion, that's what I get to see you guys do um, with the fundraiser. And that the joy of love and unity is very real in a small town. That's why we all value being here in a small town and in a small church. Um, it's not often, though, that we come together as a whole group, so it's extra meaningful when we get to do so. There's a real sense of, of selflessness I don't spend a lot of time as MC thanking you guys for all the things you do because I don't want to give the impression to the community that it's a big back padding session. Like, look how great Clyde Church is. I want to get away from that to focus on the work and let the community know, let them feel the honor of partnering with that work. But I don't have to do that right now. So I want to take some time to thank you and to honor you. Um, Whether it's, okay, I made a list and I probably forgot some. The selflessness of of um, collecting auction items, paying for those things and donating them, the selflessness of scrubbing pots and pans, the selflessness of preparing food, the selflessness of collecting dirty plates, Hannah, um, the selflessness of collecting and counting money, of being present to to have integrity with the, the cash that comes in, um, the selflessness of setting up tables and chairs and decorating and then cleaning up and vacuuming and mopping, the selflessness of uh, auctioneering, of donating your skills in a really fun way to do that. Um, the selflessness of planning and organizing performers, Barb, so much work. 
the selflessness of running the sound system as as many difficulties as can pop up with that all of you gave of yourself for something that was beyond you because you value the work and that's what Paul's talking about in Philippians that's what a church does and Tom you, you said it really well when you said that that's communion that's the body of Christ being sacrificed to show love to others and that's what any church exists for that's what what Jesus modeled more than anything in, in Philippians 2 when we read the big thing and there's a real joy that I get in stepping back and seeing you all do that. Um, I am not a shepherd of a bunch of sheep. I am a sheep just like you. But as a fellow sheep, I get to stand back and say, look at these sheep. You're good sheep. And I love these sheep. Uh, you're really good at serving. Um, and it brings me a lot of joy to, to get together to, to accomplish something good. Um, what to you? So that's my what I get encouraged from you. It's a little tricky because live I was motioning to the people in the congregation. Now I turn my attention to Rico and Mandy specifically and will address them. Uh, I get a lot of encouragement from you guys too. And But first I want to give these guys an opportunity to share. Maybe if you want to come up and say, what is it about Rico and Mandy that, that you get encouragement from? And we'll, we'll end not long after that. Just for putting yourself out there and your family and for helping young people become young adults. That's really important. Yeah, that's a tradition this church has had for a long time is valuing young people, and we see that in you guys and love that and value that. Anybody else? Well, I think uh, one thing that uh, has really struck me with uh, with this couple is uh, their what what can happen uh, with a vision and a little bit of drive to do it. You know, a lot of things are for most of us kind of overwhelming. You know, boy, that'd be a great thing to do, but you never do it. And uh, Rico and Mandy did it. And, you know, what's grown from that and continuing to grow is is uh, so impressive. And uh, and uh, we see other examples of that all along the way. Barb's vision of, you know, kicking off a fundraiser and, and how that has grown to, you know, an annual thing that is so well attended and and, and uh, accepted by our community and supported. And it's just been fantastic. And on and on and on. It's a, it's amazing from a, a vision what and a little bit of a, a drive to carry forward with that can do. It's amazing. Thank you. For sure. Open it up for couple more people if anybody wants to. <laughs> I appreciate you guys' friendship. I appreciate your openness and honesty and your vulnerability about, um, you know, everything isn't perfect. Even when you're doing God's work and you're, you know, you're doing what you're called to do, that things don't always line up and there are struggles um, emotionally, family-wise, you know, just that you're being real about it. And I think that's refreshing that everything isn't perfect when you do God's work. <laughs> but he is perfect, right? So we appreciate that about you guys. Yeah, for sure. Um, we as supporters of a project want to say, okay, you said in five years this thing would be built and it's not built yet. What's the deal? But but ministry, projects like this, vision, they change because the Holy Spirit moves you and changes you and your vision is maybe different from the holy spirit's vision so thank you for having the courage 
to follow the Holy Spirit instead of just Rico's plan, um, Rico and Mandy's plan. So, thank you. Christy, last one. Uh, I actually haven't been around a lot when you guys have come and stuff, but um, one of the things that I think is so beautiful about our partnership with you guys is when I see my community of people, some of you I've known my whole life (laughs) have been blessed, but to see how God uses your gifts and abilities to bless. My dad was so looking forward to going to Haiti on the first missions trip and then he was killed, but you guys still went and to see how excited you were to be a part of building the quote unquote Clyde canal. Um, but also to see how like that changed for you guys that you got to get in, you got to get your hands dirty. You got to work alongside the locals and just to see the joy that comes in serving God with your little bit and how God used that in our church family to grow us, but also that we were to be a blessing there, but they blessed us just as much. And so I think to me, that's one of the exciting things because as I think about going to Africa and serving, I want to have a partnership with, with my supporters and people where it isn't just one way that they can come and use their gifts and abilities, hopefully to bless the people group I'm working with. And there's just such a joy in seeing us all use our gifts and being honored in that, right? Like whether it's a small part or a big part, it's important because we all matter to his kingdom. And so thank you very much for giving our church an opportunity to go, but also for what you guys gave and are continuing to give us too. Well, for me personally, um, I've known you two as friends for a long time. And just like Angie said, um, we, we love having you here with your family. We love your family. You are part of our church family, not because of your vision. You, we love you for you guys. We love, we love Rico and Mandy. We love Izzy and Josiah and Talia and Shamar. We love, we love who you guys are. You are excellent representatives of our college, but even more important, you're excellent representatives of the kingdom of God. And, um, all the things I was going to say, my encouragement to you is all the stuff Angie said, and we didn't even plan that beforehand. <laughs> appreciate your vulnerability. Appreciate your flexibility in ministry. But more than anything, just appreciate how much you love people and are willing to give and sacrifice and draw other people in. And as Dale said, your vision is, is really inspiring to us. And we thank you. Uh, we thank you. It's, it's better for you to be here for the fundraiser because we can talk about it, but you are, you guys are the, the face. You are the hands. You are the feet of this mission. And so, Thank you for being here. It, it's our honor and our privilege. You are obviously, and, and you know this, you're welcome back here anytime because you're, you're a part of us. I just want to close with two, chapter 2, verse 13, which says, It's God who works in you to will and to act according to his good purpose. It's important to remember as we do this work that it's God's work, uh, that it's his purpose we get to partner with, even as we partner with each other. Um, this, is, this is for him. So thank you guys. Thank you for sharing and for your thoughts and for updating. Thank you for being here in person. And um, thank you guys for partnering as well. Let's pray. Father God, thank you uh, again for the goodness of the work being done in Haiti. 
we pray for Rico and Mandy. And I, first, we rejoice with them for all the transitions that have happened, especially with Lifeline, and for all the great things you were doing there and will continue to do. And we pray for Rico and Mandy as they prepare to head back there. We pray that the very understandable fears that they have would be replaced, not even replaced, but just overshadowed by the love that they have for the work and for the service. And Father, help them to find peace in you. Help them to be healthy and well while they're down there and to serve. Um, and we're, we're excited to partner with sending them back down there. And so we pray for the work that will be done and is being done. We know that it's all for you, Father. We pray all these things in your name. Amen. We all need each other. You need me just as much as I need you. And we need to keep constantly praying for one another. Amen, Josiah? Thank you.